can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. On okay. that thought, welcome to our Zoom web series hosted by One Tree Hill and PMS Kant. This is On the Juggernauts, conversations with uncommon and curious fund managers. Hi everyone, my name is Jai and I have with me today Nalin Moniz. Nalin is currently the CIO at Alternate Equity at Edelweiss Global Management and is also considered the father of AIF trading in India. Uh, welcome Nalin to our show. Uh, what we Thanks like for having me on, Jay. Most welcome. Uh, if you don't mind, you know what we like to get into uh, immediately to get sort of the creative juices flowing and uh, you know adrenaline pumping is what we call the machine gun fifteen, right? Okay. So questions. Uh, hopefully, will put you and make you think about a few things, and uh, should be fun for both of us. Right? Okay. If you're, if you're ready. Is there a hamper at the end, like coffee with Karan? You'll see. You'll see. Okay. Right. Uh, so if you're ready, uh, we'll get uh, we'll get started. Let's do it. Perfect. Okay. So first thing first, the most important question in everybody's mind: Are we at the bottom? Uh, I don't think so. There is more pain to come, and that's what we see in the economy and by talking to companies. Okay. Uh, will oil go back to zero in any future contract? It depends on the storage. Uh, you know, certainly if, if the, the U.S. storage in Cushing, Oklahoma remains full, then we could see negative oil prices or similar anomalies. Okay. Uh, which balance sheet seems to be the most right? The government, the corporate or the individual? I think the individual is perhaps the most resilient because typically Indian households have been very under-levered. Okay. Uh, top down or bottom up? Definitely bottom up at this stage. Okay. Uh, so then, uh, sort of uh, extension to that question: Do you diversify in equities or do you concentrate in equities? No, I think this is the time to diversify uh, because uh, there will be accidents, and you don't know ahead of time where there may be accidents. So it's important to diversify. Okay, fair enough. Would you uh, double down or double up? I would remain where I am today. I would do neither. Okay, fair enough. One aspect that uh, most people don't know about you. This is my first time growing a beard. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Doesn't look all that bad, Nalin. No, this is the result of one month of hard work. <laughs> complaints from my wife. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, as a person, do you consider yourself an optimist, pessimist, or a realist? Uh, I am a realist. I think any long shot fund manager has to be a realist. Sure. Uh, and on that note, how would you consider a research on the street from a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being poor, 10 being great? Oh, this is PMS cart? Uh, for, uh, for anyone, for any, including PMS cart. No, I, I think that you guys are doing a fantastic job. Uh, and in fact, you know, when I speak about the AIF and PMS industry, I talk about people like you and other aggregators as being, you know, the biggest catalyst for the growth in the industry. So great job. Sure. Thanks, Alan. How long do you think India will remain an emerging market? So uh, I think if you look at it, we are already the fifth largest economy in the world. Uh, sure. We are already a developed market by that sense. Uh, we are just classified as an emerging market by 
okay. MSCI and other global index providers. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what is the one thing, you know, you've obviously come with a ton of experience across various products, across various asset classes. Uh, what is the one thing that people across decades continue to get wrong or to put it on the way that have a misconception about the markets? I think the one thing that people certainly get wrong, Jay, is that when things are going in their favor, uh, typically when prices are going up, they don't ask enough tough questions about the fund manager, about the advisor, and about the, the stocks that they may have in a, in a portfolio. And by the way, this applies to, to what is happening on the debt side as well today. Sure. No, that's exactly my next question. Uh, you know, with, with uh, the fund houses doing what they are on the debt side, uh, do you think that will snowball into something bigger or it's, you know, a one-time event? Right. So, uh, Jay, I think we will see far-reaching changes on the debt front side. I think uh, first is, uh, you know, a lot of credit activity that was happening on the debt mutual fund side will sure. perhaps move to an AIF or an NBFC format. Uh, there isn't daily liquidity and then hence a ALM mismatch. Sure. And... I think people are going to ask a lot tougher questions. There may be provisioning on debt funds. There may be liquidity reserves that debt funds have to preserve. Um, right. So it will be far-sweeping regulatory changes. And as of today, I think the industry does need to rebuild some of the trust that has been lost from investors and advisors. Sure, absolutely. Completely agree out there, Nalin. And, you know, with sort of COVID taking over our lives in, in a manner which no one thought, uh, it also opens up the question that uh, will, will ESG investing sort of catch on in India or will there be more focus uh, on ESG investing? Absolutely. I think this is one of the big trends that we see emerging um, in the next 10 years. Uh, you know, govern, the G of ESG, which is governance, has I think has always been important and been acknowledged by the public markets, uh, but the environmental and social aspects are starting to be taken a lot more seriously. Uh, you're already seeing that uh, with, um, you know, SEBI introducing a stewardship code for AIFs and mutual funds. Sure. Uh, a lot of global investors insisting that you have an ESG policy in place uh, and you know, this episode of COVID has also been a wake-up call for the conscience of many promoters uh, who are otherwise taking shortcuts on ESG. Got it. Got it. Fair enough. So that's definitely something to watch out for, according to you. Absolutely. It's a big, big trend. Okay. Perfect. And uh, Nalin, you obviously run uh, one of India's largest long-shot funds. Uh, one of the sort of the key question that comes up uh, is that, you know, okay, as you also mentioned governance, corporate governance, etc. But what is the other sort of, you know, uh, red flag that you would look for in a stock outside of, outside of corporate governance? So I think the one thing that the, the market has definitely punished very badly is, is high leverage and high pledged shares. Uh, and typically the modus operandi for a lot of businesses in India was to you know, 
have less equity in the business and have more debt uh, and you know then over invoice or you know try and you know uh, cheat the banking system of their fair share uh, that playbook has completely been thrown out of the window over the last two years and uh, what a lot of businesses need today is a lot more equity and less debt sure fair enough great nalin i think uh, you've come up with flying colors okay requested uh, that uh, your hamper of coffee with current should be there at your place uh, as soon as okay. the lockdown ends cool uh, i can't make any guarantees of when the lockdown ends uh, but you know you're talking about the lockdown where do you see the lockdown especially in a city like bombay which is you know uh, quite core to the indian economy of sorts uh, where do you think the lockdown is going okay so i i think uh, you know jay we still have cases rising and um, i think perhaps it will be you know a phased opening and we'll probably revert to normal uh times by maybe september uh you know uh, or at least that's what i'm mentally preparing to to return i love to get back to normal sooner but i think september is a realistic target unless of course a vaccine or a cure is found for covid sure so and uh, you know this came up in in one of the other conversations so more like the nike logo right where there is a there's sort of a strict uh, lockdown and then sort of eases up uh into opening yep yes perfect uh you know one of the things that a lot of people want to know about fund managers when there's very actual a uh, little information available except for you know what the marketing material that is put up uh you know what was your first interaction with the stock market right you know was it by chance like i was an engineer who came out of you know electronics and you know just randomly chanced upon edelweiss to work upon and that's how my journey started what's your story with with the stock market was it like a well thought out uh, sort of conscious uh, call or you know just by chance no so uh, you know i had a very similar journey to yours jay uh, you know i studied computer science finance and statistics in college uh, and i thought the the stock market was a fantastic place to apply all three of these disciplines because it has an element of data science an element of finance and economics uh, and an element of you know the behavioral side that makes it so interesting it's like the world's largest unsolved uh, engineering problem sure excellent and you know sort of talking about uh, this issue the fund that you run has done quite well uh, relatively to its peers and the benchmark uh, in the last uh, few years uh, you know sort of if you could elaborate what has been your sort of edge and usp uh, and the processes that you followed to make it successful uh, i think that we haven't done anything you know extraordinary jay uh i think there are two things that have helped us to really stand out uh one is uh as you know we are have consistently bet on being long good quality high governance you know strong cash flow companies and short you know broken businesses that are trading at expensive valuations 
now this may not work in a year like 2017 where you have a junk fueled liquidity rally but in the past two to three years this has been the mega trend where there has been a flight to transparency a flight to quality a flight to governance uh, so i think this is one i think the environment has favored our investment style and i think the second thing that has helped us to stand out over the last 6 years that we've been running the fund is that unlike a lot of short managers that are more traders uh, we are much more of an investor and you know even for our short positions we are applying the same kind of rigorous fundamental research that you would apply to the longs so trading so investing over trading and then basically quality minus junk has been our two big success factors excellent and you know sort of uh, taking an extension from this uh, a lot of our clients a lot of the investors ask that uh, you know jay while a strategy might have done well or a process that might have done well is there a lifespan to each process or each strategy or do you have to keep iterating adjusting uh you know sort of you know in a market like this you know questioning what you are doing and why you are doing it uh in terms of the process so we haven't made uh changes jay and i think the important thing that applies to not just us but to other managers as well is that the simpler the investment process the more uh, relies on a few basic fundamental assumptions or, or axioms uh the more resilient and robust it is to changing market conditions sure so the sort of you know and you know and you know, i'm just going to give you sort of a curveball out here uh this sort of lends itself to sort of getting married to a strategy or a particular investment right uh, now as you said that you know over time as you simplify things have your processes in place you know you might see a good amount of volatility right but sometimes what does happen is an investor gets obviously saying that look why is it you know clearly the market is not recognizing what uh, you are seeing right but how does that play up in your mind and how do you at that point sort of you know control your uh, emotional quotient which is telling you that look uh, you know my investors are might be thinking a bit different than what i am right so i think it starts when you uh by first acknowledging that nobody's investment strategy will work all the time okay Absolutely. and that's why as an advisor and as a client you have to invest upon managers across styles uh i highlighted in your a couple of minutes ago when you asked me right up up front that in a year like 2017 which is a liquidity driven rally sure we will not, we will not be able to perform right uh, you know uh, in a year where the market is up 50 60% which will happen at some point we will trail the the benchmark you know that is the those are the kind of years that your mid and small cap funds may shine through sure so we attempt to solve all problems uh you know and we understand the role that we play you know clients portfolio and as long as you're clear about that and you communicate it 
I think you're okay. Absolutely. No, makes complete sense. And sort of, you know, continuing on that thought, I think a lot more investors, a lot more clients are now saying that, look, how do we sort of get into uncorrelated strategies and ideas, uh, either through long shot funds or through cash management or diversifying into gold, distress, solar, uh, unlisted shares, etc. Uh, you know, you know, because you've been doing a lot of the uncorrelated stuff that is there on the market, you know, would love to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, different ideas that you've tried, whether personally, professionally, or what would you suggest that an investor uh, do right now? Right. So this is the one big question, Jay, that clients have been asking in March and April in particular, and asking very, very vociferous way. The reason is that last month, in the month of March, uh, you know, you had the Nifty down, you know, some 23%, the mid-cap down 30%. And it was a completely broad-based correction across sectors, styles, industries, market cap, etc. Uh, and there was nowhere to hide. And, you know, uh, you know, with the exception of maybe one or two managers, pretty much everybody was down in line with the, the benchmark. So this has got people questioning the fact that, you know, if I had five, six fund managers, do I really have five, six distinct fund managers or do I have four, sure. of, the, four or five of the same kind? Uh, so today there is a lot more interest in people's uh, you know, in portfolios where strategies are uncorrelated, either because somebody's thought process is completely orthogonal, uh, so maybe playing cyclicals of the deep value, uh, right. where the construct of the portfolio is completely different, like a long short portfolio rather than long only. Sure. Where it is tapping into something that you're not getting in the public markets, like you mentioned you know, solar or infra or distressed or something of that sort. I don't have much experience on the unlisted side, sure. uh, but certainly clients are looking at these non-traditional avenues for returns. Got it. And I think we've been seeing the shift uh, much earlier than pre-COVID as well, is where a lot of money, at least with the more nuanced investor, you know, who can put in uh, that 50 lakhs or one crore into a PMS or an AIM. Uh, sort of, you know, mutual funds are now uh, in general looked at uh, as, you know, sort of closet index funds or what we call index huggers. Now, while it might not apply to all mutual funds and it would be not fair to paint them with the same brush, but are we heading towards that? So we certainly are, Jay. Uh, what we are seeing as a very strong trend is there are certain categories of mutual funds where you know alpha has basically gone to zero uh you know it could be things like you know very simple debt funds uh you know liquid funds sure. uh, touch cap equities and in these spaces these are ripe for disruption by passive you know uh vehicles so you've seen sure. You know, uh, the SBI Nifty index fund becoming India's largest equity mutual fund. Absolutely. Uh, 
uh, you've seen the success of our Edelweiss Bharat bond on the debt side. Correct. But there are other categories like, let's say, mid and small cap equities or even credit uh, funds where fund manager expertise will always be important. And those are not going to get disrupted by passive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the next question is one of the one of my favorite questions. Uh, you know, when I started my career way back in 2004, I I think in the first three months I lost uh, close to six seven months of my salary on a uh, unknown levered commodity play that my broker said that this will make you money. Obviously, greed took over, uh, and right. you know, I still that's my biggest learning that you know if you don't understand something, uh, you know sort of you know don't dabble with it. Uh, you know, in, in your career, you know, what would you say has been that one defining mistake or learning uh, that you'd like to talk about? Right. So, uh, you know, I lost a lot of money in the 2008 financial crisis uh, and not because of, you know, uh, an imprudent bet on any single stock, but I just had the wrong asset allocation. Uh, and this made me and I had allocated very heavily to equities and in particular, you know, small cap equities, international value stocks, etc. Basically high beta. And I realized two things that one is that, you know, uh, it is important to have a balanced asset allocation at all points in time. And secondly, if you're in financial services and your income is linked to the stock market, then your personal balance sheet should perhaps be managed a little more conservatively. Sure, sure. So you're saying if, if you are from the finance uh, field, you are as it is high beta to the market, uh, just being in the field. Exactly. Got it. Fair enough. That's a, that's a very interesting uh, point of view, Nalin. Uh, we know uh, sort of continuing with this, a lot of us, a lot of our audience has also asked us that, you know, we like to understand uh, something different that the fund manager has done, right? Uh, so what was that one opportunity that maybe was obvious to you uh, and you sort of bought into it, but not obvious to the market in general? Right. So uh, I think one of our, you know, if we're going to talk about a specific opportunity. Sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this because I can't ask a lot of people this. Sure. One long idea and one short idea if possible. Okay. So uh, I'll give you one, uh, one of each. So one, one interesting, uh, you know, idea that uh, we had over the, that expired a few years ago was the HDFC warrant. Okay. Uh, so this was issued by HDFC limited in 2015 alongside a uh, very low interest, uh, you know, bonds. And, you know, we remained invested for the three year tenure of the uh, instrument. Okay. Uh, we bought it at about 140 rupees and ended up selling it at about 500 in three years. Wow. Um, so about a three X in three years. But one of the things that we, that people didn't understand about this was that, uh, everybody was using a black shoals kind of model to price these. Sure. Uh, 
But the reality is that for a company like HDFC, which has very, very stable earnings and a very stable earnings trajectory, a model like Black Shoals does not apply because HDFC Limited behaves more similar to a bond. So this was one. Uh, on the short side, uh, you know, we have one of our biggest, uh, you know, winners was to be short a lot of levered companies, uh, you know, and uh, to be short a lot of PSU banks, which many people even today don't acknowledge that are perhaps insolvent because of the bad loan. Sure. Okay, makes sense. Uh, one of the other aspects also that comes up with uh, with investments, and this is, you know, making a lot more sense in terms of diversification, uh, is international investing. Right, two advantages that I see. One obviously is the diversification that occurs, uh, because maybe you're getting a different asset class in terms of geography and multiple other aspects. Uh, the other is obviously for an Indian that becomes a natural hedge of shorts if you are going into some sort of a dollar investment. Uh, I know Edelweiss has come up with a fund recently, which sort of is a feeder fund. Uh, but, you know, what is your view in terms of clients wanting to do more on more and more of, of international investing? Right. Uh, so, Jay, you really hit upon it. Uh, I think everybody's, you know, today international investing is in focus because those funds have done well in the last one year. Sure. Uh, but that's not the reason to really look at it. Absolutely diversifier uh, to your equity portfolio and perhaps maybe 5 to 10% should certainly go into feeder funds. We have a collection, but other funds also have very credible offerings. I personally have been investing in international funds for the last five years. Uh, clients also should look uh, at some investment investment options that are available through LRS, which is the liberalized remittance scheme. And this should be looked at as a hedge in case something ever goes wrong with India at a sovereign level. Sure, sure. So when continuing with this, uh, you know, diversification is obviously one, one aspect that a lot of people are talking about now and sort of true diversification. Uh, but a lot of people have asked us that Jay, where is the alpha uh, for the next five, 10 years going to come from? Uh, and, you know, if you could elaborate on any asset that you like, uh, apart from equities, uh, per se, that would be really helpful to our audience. Uh, so, Jay, I think the, the biggest alpha is uh, that, that, and this is a real story, I mean, you know, the biggest alpha that somebody could uh, generate is by just keeping their portfolio simple, sticking to a plan, sure. and, you know, just trusting, a, you know, a, a, a balanced advisor. Uh, this is the single biggest, you know, I think uh, we are all swayed by greed and fear and market cycles that happen in equities and debt, in real estate, gold, etc. But just having a sense of balance and having things simple will add, you know, many percentage points to your actual portfolio returns. Got it. 
Uh, you know, we're almost coming to the end of this conversation, Nalan. Just a couple more questions. Uh, the next question is related to sort of, you know, giving the tools or the options of tools to a much more broader audience of fund managers uh, to be able to, you know, either hedge their positions, go short some positions. Uh, as of now, obviously, the tools are only available to a good degree or to a flexible degree in our AIFs. Uh, but do you see a stage when a mutual fund manager also wants to raise his hand and say that, look, I actually felt, uh, you know, the markets would have, would not have done well. I wanted to hedge or maybe even have uh, some options for a particular stocks that I had or even increase sort of cash management. Obviously, we know that's possible in an AIF, but should that option be uh, extended to fund managers belonging to the mutual fund or even the PMS segment? So Jay, uh, managers on the mutual fund side already have that option. Uh, you know, there are offerings in the balanced advantage fund uh, that vary their amount of equity exposure depending on whether they think markets are cheap or expensive or will go up or go down. Sure. Uh, and even long-only equity managers have an ability to take a cash call. Uh, there are some fund houses that are very proactive about doing that. Others remain fully invested at all times. Sure. Uh, and on the PMS side, there are no such restrictions. So if a PMS manager wants, he can always sit in 100% cash at a point right. in time. Right. And uh, would you say leverage should be allowed in mutual funds or PMSs or stick to uh, AI for the next five years? So I think, uh, you know, maybe stick to AIF for the, for the time being. Sure. Uh, because leverage, remember, Jay, is a double-edged sword. Uh, you don't want to expose retail investors to that. And uh, it is perhaps best done in a fund format rather than in a managed account format, which is PMS. Fair enough. Uh, Nalin, uh, sort of the last uh, couple of last questions. We've seen some sort of, uh, in the last five years, some sort of an exodus of, you know, star fund managers leaving uh, to set up their own sort of boutique firms and, uh, you know, trying to sell their own brand per se. Uh, you know, this, this sort of, you know, ties in with, you know, having too many options suddenly because, you know, each star fund manager is a great sales guy, has a great story. How does actually someone buy into uh, a particular fund manager or a style per se? Right. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, many of these are stalwarts of the industry, whether it is a Saurabh Mukherjee at, at Marcellus or Sunil Singhania at Abacus sure. or Kenneth Andrade at Old Bridge. Uh, and maybe we'll see many more followings, uh, following in their footsteps. Uh, each of these guys has a very clear and distinct investment philosophy they've developed over a period of time. Uh, and I would think that today, many investors who are investing with them know that what they're getting into. In the case of Saurabh Mukherjee, just to take an example, I mean, he's written three fantastic books sure. that outline, you know, a sort of a buy and hold philosophy in high quality businesses. And he's done very well implementing that. Fair enough. Uh, so effectively, you're saying that, you know, just make sure that you understand their philosophy, 
making sure they're uncorrelated to things that you probably have already have on your books and then uh, take that foot forward. And understand when they will work and when they will not work. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you know, Nalin, you've been, uh, you've been a great help and, you know, we've worked together uh, and, you know, sort of, you know, mentoring has helped a lot of people in, in various organizations. Uh, one of the questions that, that we get uh, from a lot of fund managers who've just recently started, you know, either on their own, putting sort of their own wealth uh, into the markets uh, or even taking money from uh, friends and family and external clients. Uh, there are some who've just had, you know, six months of experience and, you know, obviously the markets have done what uh, they have done. Uh, but what would you suggest someone uh, to do right now, you know, for someone who's just started taking external money? Right. Uh, so, uh, Jay, as you know, I, I started my own fund back in 2009 called Forefront Capital, which I then sold to Edelweiss in 2014. And I think the one thing that I learned uh, through many of the tough years like 2011, 12, 13, when India was really in the doldrums, uh, was to really listen to what clients are saying and what clients want. You know, uh, we are too often engrossed in our portfolios and our strategies and our stock picks. Uh, but when you manage, when you're starting out on your own, it is you'd be better off listening to clients and what they want. Okay, fair enough. I think that, you know, we've seen a lot of people struggle more with also the emotional quotient, uh, saying that, look, uh, I'm, I need to question a lot of things, which is what, what I asked initially as well. Uh, and obviously listening to clients uh, should help them, you know, navigate this uh, much better. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, thanks, Nalin, for your time. Thank you, Jay. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, our, our audience would, you know, would love to hear more from you. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, but is there any something else that you would like to add uh, to our audience? No, and you know, if there are further questions, you can always reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is Nalin Moniz, and I'm also available on LinkedIn and very active there as well. So uh, please reach out and would love to engage on anything that I spoke about. Thank you for the opportunity. Superb. No, most welcome, Nalan. We are happy to have uh, someone like you uh, on the Juggernauts who brings a very different perspective. Uh, hope everyone is, is safe at your place, including your parents, friends, and family. Uh, and yeah. hopefully when things normalize, we'll definitely catch up again. Awesome. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Nalan.